0: Welcome to the Basement Astrologers, coming to you live from the middle of the Midwest and the beautiful Pacific Northwest. This is a special mini-episode where Meredith and I will both be taking turns tackling specific pieces of astrological lore. I'll do a section, then she'll do a section, or she'll do a section, then I'll do a section. The goal is to have little educational snippets for people who might be new to the subject. We hope you enjoy our effort. Welcome to my half of the Gemini mini-pod for the Basement Astrologers. My name is Kip from Udomania Astrology, and I'm coming to you live from the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Puyallup, Washington. Gemini is the third sign of the zodiac. With the tropical zodiac, Gemini season begins when the sun moves from the sign of Taurus to the sign of Gemini. This happens every year around the 20th of May. Gemini season ends each year on the summer solstice, when the sun enters Cancer around the 20th of June. The Sun marks the beginning and end of Gemini's season in the Tropical Zodiac. The Sun, or rather the amount of light produced by the Sun at a given time of year, is the marker as opposed to the stars. That means that with the Tropical Zodiac used in Western astrology, the constellation Gemini has no bearing on the signifiers of the sign Gemini. The Tropical Zodiac can be contrasted with the Sidereal Zodiac, which is used in Jyotisha, sometimes called Vedic astrology. Joytish uses the constellations as the fundamental markers of the sign. Whenever discussing a sign, I'm always going to start with that sign's ruling planet. I think that understanding the symbolism of the ruling planet is the best way to grasp the signifiers of the sign. It also helps contrast my presentation with Meredith's, which hopefully brings depth to the understanding you take away from this podcast. Mercury, the messenger, the twins... Mercury rules Gemini. Mercury is the closest planet to the sun. Mercury goes retrograde about three times a year for about six weeks per period. This means that Mercury retrograde is very common. Its emergence in the public sphere is welcome because that means astrology is getting out there. It's also way overblown. Traditional significations for Mercury include principles of communication and contact transportation, commerce, language, writing, education, and the intellect generally. When Mercury is dignified, they signify debate, eloquence, discrimination, cultural refinement, investigation of mysteries, a perceptive and shrewd manner, curiosity, and the ability to learn. When debilitated, you get terms like frenetic, argumentative, a disorganized mind, an easily deceived fool, misdeception, malice, lies, mockery, and derision. body parts that Mercury rules is the nervous system all throughout the body, everywhere you get signals sent from some kind of stimulus into your mind. Mundane signifiers for Mercury include travel, handmade craft, shops, Markets, schools, libraries, public spaces, casinos, and one I really like, airports. Mercury has no sect, which means Mercury doesn't align with the day or the night. It also has no sex, So one way to think of Mercury is, is the hermaphrodite of the planet. It can travel anywhere, in any realm, and feels comfortable in almost any place. There is tons of lore and just as many avatars with Mercury. Traditionally, we have both Hermes, Mercury, Odin. Odin was a traveler and an information gatherer. He was definitely a war god, but really a chaos god, always scheming, always wanting more to take in and to use. So Mercury is the god of financial gain, commerce, messages, communication, travelers, boundaries, luck, trickery, merchants, thieves, magic... Now, it sounds like I might be repeating a few things here, but I want to draw a pretty clear distinction here. Mercury is oftentimes categorized as a trickster, but there's really a difference between the Mercury-Hermes-Odin characteristic and kind of the classic tricksters who are cunning or foolish and sometimes both, really tricksters for trickster's sake. And I'm going to rattle a few off. Hopefully a couple land with you. There's tricksters like Loki and Coyote. Fox, Br'er Rabbit, Monkey, Spider or Anansi, Raven, Papa Legba, and Coco so All these different trickster archetypes have a little different feel. Now, if you're an active TBA listener, you've heard me talk about Dumbledore from the Harry Potter series of books and movies. Dumbledore is incredibly mercurial, very much a Mercury archetype. Definitely tricksy, definitely a trickster, but also... A fully developed master magician and I want to keep that those two notions separate kind of the master magician version of mercury and then just the trickster I shouldn't say just because tricksters are incredibly important archetypal characters but the, just the plain trickster and the master magician now we get to Gemini Gemini is a sign is mutable air and male the signifier or the symbol for Gemini is the twins and Gemini uh, physically marks things that are doubled. and In this instance, arms, hands, and shoulders. So mutable or double-bodied is the time of year that marks the end of a season and the beginning of another one. With mutable signs, we get multiplicity, adaptability, curiosity, and inconsistency, and we get some scatteredness. But comfortability in many environments is important. Indeed, with Gemini, we see springtime. In Gemini season, in the northern hemisphere, we get bugs, tons of bugs. You can almost see the air vibrating, birds nesting, plumage appears. Their skin appears all over um, the world around you. T-shirts and tank tops, tons of stimulus. If you have a dog, they have way too much to sniff during Gemini season. Their nose is going nuts. Squirrel! It's also a great image. For Gemini, something catches their attention and squirrel. They quick shift their attention away. So we have mutability, and then we have air. Air is clear, smooth, light, with agility and flexibility. Thinking, communication. Air moves without boundaries and fills the space around it. Finally, we have male, or outward-focused energy. As the sun heats the earth and the bugs take flight, the first hordes of gnats... And black flies get into motion, and you just know it's Gemini season. Outward-focused energy, air spreading everywhere. There's nothing grounding Gemini energy. It's mutable, air, male. It's going everywhere. It's all over. It's collecting data. Um, It's dynamic information collection and communication. Now, if we apply Mercury to Gemini, we really almost get pure place for Mercury to plug into. We get a simple phrase, collect, data, communicate. Mercury in Gemini is collect, data, communicate. We compare this to Mercury's other sign, which is Virgo. And in fact, uh, Mercury in Virgo is the only sign where we get a planet, which is both exalted and domiciled. So Mercury both rules Virgo, and it's Mercury's favorite place to be. Now, in ruling uh, Gemini, we see the difference. So Gemini is very much the exterior Mercury, whereas Virgo is the interior Mercury. Virgo is still mutable, but, but Virgo is Earth and female, so hold it in your hand, sensual and female, inward-focused energy. Gemini wants to sh- wants to gather information and share it. The quality of the information is way less important than the quality. Take it in, put it out. Virgo wants to collect information, internalize it, sort out the good for the bad, really figure out what the best stuff is and collect that. It's almost like a double dose of, of using Mercury, of analyzing data, because Virgo's taking it in, putting it inside, and then going through it a second time. Whereas with boundaryless Gemini, the information comes in and goes back out. An example I really like to use is that of a newspaper. So Mercury definitely would rule a newspaper, right? Information collected together and sent out. With Gemini, we get like a war correspondent or a beat reporter or a sports reporter. They go out. They bring that information back. They cross those boundaries and bring it back into the newspaper. Virgo is much more the editor and the opinion writer. Virgo analyzes the stories brought back by Gemini, makes sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, and then puts it in the paper. In addition, Virgo is reading all the stories and synthesizing and analyzing all that information. So as an opinion writer, Virgo can put down their thoughts on the news of the day. There's another comparison I like to make when talking about Gemini, and that's the comparison with Sagittarius, which is... Gemini's opposite sign of the zodiac. So Gemini is mutable, air, male. Sagittarius is mutable, fire, male. Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. Oftentimes Sagittarius can be called exagittarius. Bubbly, bouncy, um, really mobile. So some things that are similar with um, Gemini. Outgoing people, adaptable to lots of environments. The, the difference is Mercury. Mercury is a g- really happy in Gemini. In Sagittarius, Mercury isn't as happy. Mercury is considered to be Mercury's exile in Sagittarius. When we think of Sagittarius, when we think of information, we think of Sagittarius seeing the forest, not the trees, right? Almost hard to find the trees because they like big ideas, Jupiter making context out of big situations and with Gemini, Gemini has trouble seeing the forest because they're so interested in each and every one of those trees. When we think of Sagittarius we think of a centaur pointing their arrow at the sky aiming high and we think of Mercury we think of trying to account for every single inch of the space between the place where the centaur sets the arrow to shoot And the destination of that aerial. Here's a a little bit of information that might only be interesting to me, but I'm going to share it. Whenever I think of Mercury and Sagittarius in its exile, I think of the Talmud. The Talmud is a collection of arguments about stories and rules in the Old Testament or the Torah. For hundreds and hundreds of years, Jewish scholars broke down the meanings and the application of the rules that are in the Torah. And they collected all those arguments, all those back and forth debates about what the stories and the rules meant, how to apply them, and they wrote them in the Talmud. And as things went further and further along, new scholars came along and they actually started arguing about the arguments that are in the Talmud. They even used pieces that were in earlier parts of the Talmud to further their debates, sometimes taking pieces of those arguments out of context on purpose. And I think that thinking of breaking down the forest, breaking down one book of rules and stories and just further and further and further digging into it and making those arguments more self-contained and and, uh, and minute, right? Think of each grain of sand as opposed to a beach. It's just really a lot of what Mercury tries to do in Sagittarius. So I'm going to do a little bit more with Gemini to flesh out the energy. A little a fewer examples, a little more talking about feeling itself. So Gemini is the twins. There's a lot of duality that goes with Gemini. Gemini collects data and communicates. It's two things. So think about one twin taking in the information and one twin telling you about it. Discovery that context exists as one point of data reflects off another. So context. Just the idea of two ideas bouncing against each other is really a Gemini idea. This can be done through playfulness, bouncing things off each other. In this way, Gemini relates to youthfulness, a Peter Pan signification, bouncing around, throwing out ideas. For Gemini, there's nothing inherently good or inherently bad. Everything's data. Data is for play. This can be tricky. For example, if everything is play, then everything's up for grabs. Physical physical pleasure is data, sex, workouts, social media, romance novels. When unbalanced and uncommunicated, the search for data for data's sake is a in a consequence-free environment can lead to acts that may produce unwanted consequences. Things like infidelity, or obsessions with certain topics, that. the potential to end maybe even in neurosis for a gemini just too much focus on one thing when prominent in a native's chart mutable gemini ruled by ungendered mercury can lead to things that naturally relate to mutability like polyamory bisexuality non-binary gender as a side effect the search for data in sexual expression can potentially limit deep emotional resonance now similarly Endeavors like business, finance, marketing, sales, where flexibility with ideas, and even in this case, ethics can lead to success, right? You get rewarded for uh, being quick on your feet and uh, not really worrying about the impact of the sales you make on the person buying it. You just want to make more sales. You're just collecting data. Master astrologer Deb Holding elaborates, yet the flexibility of character that Geminians possess has often been seen as a demonstration of their ability to be two things at once, both the victor and the victim, the healer and the invalid, the teacher and the student, the integration of opposites that never fully separates one partner from the other. This fusion occurs only after independent experience of both extremes has been absorbed, which requires that the antithesis of love-hate, confidence in security, praise, insult, trust, and falseness are first encountered as singular incidents before being recognized as two faces of the same coin. Excesses are the exception as people are definitely their whole charts. Mercury is the process of thinking and communicating. The moon represents the ephemeral mind, Jupiter philosophy, Venus joy. All these influences affect individual interests and aptitudes. This is just to say that if you happen to be born with a prominent Gemini placement, you're not destined to be a used car salesman or a day trader. However, you see, Gemini does not create a philosophy. It creates data points. If there is nothing counterbalancing the process, we can end up in a situation where there's no true reflection on the information, just receive, data, communicate, and the communication is rigid it comes from this information vacuum, this loop without any distance. Someone who lives in that sort of closed information loop can master it, become a sort of Dumbledore for their own domain. An example of this is Rush Limbaugh. Rush is a right-wing radio host with an incredibly broad and incredibly dedicated listener base who call themselves DittoHeads. Rush takes all information and runs it through a rigid information vacuum where all things that he considers conservative are good, and all things that aren't conservative are conservatism's dangerous and malicious enemy. Russia's nativity, or the alignment of the planets at the time of Russia's birth, features a nearly exact square between Mercury and Saturn. Mercury is in Capricorn a sign ruled by Saturn, signifying, amongst other things, rigidity and barriers, while Saturn is exalted in Libra, a communicative air sign ruled by Venus. It just so happens that in this case, Russia's nativity, both Saturn and Mercury, are retrograde. In real life, Russia is constantly going over these same old themes. So, Russia's house of Gemini is ruled by this Mercury that has this really hard and rigid placement vis-a-vis a a really strong and forceful Saturn. I also wanted to share uh, something that Stephen Forrest, a very acclaimed astrologer, likes to say about Gemini. Gemini's job is to take in all the information, let it swirl, kind of live in the chaos of information coming. Getting too caught up, too rigid, too held down creates these cases like rush, perhaps even neurosis. The ability to take it in and let it go is exactly what a Gemini needs to be balanced and healthy. All right, so Gemini is known for communication. So there's just countless of public examples of the twins in action. Like Taurus, where there were just lots and lots of brief examples of charts to share, I've got the same thing with Gemini. So I'm going to go light on the placements. I'm not going to deep dive on any of these individuals in particular. I'm going to kind of run through lots of charts quickly Try to get you a feel for what Gemini's like. First and foremost, we have actual twins, Ashley and Mary Kate Olson. Ashley and Mary Kate Olson are Geminis and they're twins, and it's the sign of twins. I thought that was a cute way to start. Then we have eccentric communicators known for singular topics. First is Dr. Ruth Westheimer, otherwise known as Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth was one of the first sex counselors went public and she was very famous and she only talked about this one topic which she knew everything about she really made um, a gemini and deep dive into one specific thing um, and she could apply it to almost anything so it was like she knew about lots of other stuff and could only apply sex to it then we have art bell art bell was a great communicator um he uh, did up all night which was a radio show about conspiracies and alien invasions way before that was almost a uh pop culture phenomenon as it is today. Art Bell's show was on in the middle of the night and you could get it when you're driving across the country on AM radio. It was great. Finally, we find someone who was a really bright person and intellectual, but got trapped in their own information loop, like we kind of talked about before. And it's Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski has an incredibly prominent uh, Gemini uh, energies in his chart in his nativity, Gemini is the first house in the Unabomber's chart. We have the Sun, Uranus, and Saturn conjunct. Um, And on the Ascendant, there's also a uh, a Mercury and Jupiter conjunction. So just a ton going on for the Unabomber. We have some public intellectuals, people who are great with communicating, with words, with letters. We have Allen Ginsberg, who was a beat writer. He wrote Howell, and the famous phrase, angel-headed hipster, comes from Allen Ginsberg. Uh, Allen Ginsberg also is famous for um, eventually being brought up uh, as an, obs- I, I don't know a better way to put this, but the trial was called an obscenity trial. Allen Ginsberg was a famously uh, bisexual individual at a time where that wasn't um, very well thought of. It was actually illegal in some places. Um, and we see some of those signifiers of the, of the hermaphroditic mer- mercury, the mercury with no um, sex. And we see that with Allen Ginsberg, who was interested in all kinds of things and collected information from all kinds of places. Then we have Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson was an incredibly famous essayist, lecturer, philosopher, poet. He led the transcendentalist movement, the idea of getting out in nature and just collecting all the information and letting it flow and be um, part of you, uh, but in a natural setting. I Ralph Waldo Emerson was a great example. Now we're going to move to musicians, and there are so many that I had to really trim my sails here. The first couple are all wordsmiths, uh, and I think you're going to be familiar with some of these people. I think a lot of these are really interesting with the musicians because you see people who actually have names they use when they're not performing music and the names they have on the stage. First, we have Macklemore, who's a rapper from the Pacific Northwest area. I believe he's from Seattle. And Macklemore's name when he's at his uh, mom's house is Ben. His name's Benjamin Haggerty. He goes by Ben. Then we have Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is a fantastic rapper, perhaps the most talented rapper we have today. And Kendrick Lamar's full name is Kendrick Lamar Duckworth. So he cut off his last name. He's actually two different people again. Then we have Tupac Shakur, Lassane Parish Crooks, who changed his name to Tupac Shakur. Pupac Shakur is one of the greatest rappers ever to live, an amazing wordsmith. And we have some people who were do-it-all, people who could write, sing, play any instrument. One fantastic example is Prince, whose full name is Prince Rogers Nelson, but it went by Prince uh, later in his life when he became a performer. Prince could play any instrument and sometimes created entire albums um, just by himself. And another person who was a lot like that was Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, uh, when the Beatles really wanted to lay down a track and thought it was particularly important. They'd have Ringo go out and get beer. And Paul would actually play the drums on some of the recordings. And interestingly, Paul had a ton of nicknames. Um, and so did the, the Beatles themselves. But Polly went by Babyface, Polly, Bugaboo, Percy Thrillington, which I think is great, Paul Ramon, Mr. Plump, Bernard Webb, and Richard Starkley. So Paul shows those uh, those twins those Gemini functions of being two people at once really, really specifically. And finally, someone who's very close to my heart really the spellcaster the full musician of this group um, without casting aspersions on other people I really love Bob Dylan Robert Zimmerman uh, he has a packed uh, Taurus and Gemini house with the Sun and Mercury in Gemini but also a Saturn Moon conjunction and a Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in Taurus. I bring this up because Taurus uh, rules the throat, rules the voice, rules singing. And with this really interesting collection in this Taurus house, we see Jupiter-Uranus disruption and context and Saturn-Moon restriction on the way we take things in. And, And Bob, if nothing else, just had a really unique singing voice. I thought that was important and fun to bring up. We have some politicians, some people who were whip-smart, but even more important, people who were amazing orators. We have John Edwards, who ran for president uh, <clears throat> in the early aughts. Interestingly, John's um, stump speech, which made him famous, was the two Americas. Again, we look at that Gemini and the twins, the duality, two Americas. And he had two lives, kind of separately leading two lives. He had a wife and kids, and then he had a mistress. and uh, And the mistress ended up being something that drew attention to him negatively later on. Then we have Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy. Um, He was thought of as a gifted orator, a famed orator, so a really smooth talker. The reason I think Jefferson Davis is incredibly interesting is uh, because, again, the duality. Um, He was the former head of the War Department for the United States, and then— became the president of the Confederacy. So he was two-faced, the twins, two different people at once. JFK, John F. Kennedy, Jack Kennedy, all these different names for JFK. JFK had the sun and the Venus in Gemini, a very Geminian, great speaker, great communicator, could take in information very easily. Then we have Henry Kissinger, um, another um, amazing communicator, Henry Kissinger won the Nobel Peace Prize, but on the flip side of that, he also destroyed Southeast Asia and backed a deadly coup in Chile and supported Pakistan during the Bangladesh War, which really um, was a war filled with war crimes and, and near genocide. So Henry Kissinger, again, another two-sided person. And we have Xi Jinping, the current leader of China. He has the Sun and Jupiter and Mercury. Um, sorry, he has Mercury and Cancer, uh, which is interesting. Uh, because he is kind of thought of as the father of modern China, um, cancer being the uh, the family sign, and to have the, the planet ruling his son in cancers, interesting. Um, Xi Jinping is, a, is a, considered to be a really good communicator. I thought it was good to have him in here, just to point someone non-Western, but I don't know that much about him. I'm going to end the uh, politicians with three guys who have never been in my kitchen. We have Rudy Giuliani who really loves to communicate on TV. Rudy Giuliani is currently um, the president of the United States, Donald Trump's lawyer, and he's on TV all the time um, spilling lots of information. Um, the value of it as far as factually based is, uh, is often in question. We have Newt Gingrich, another guy who can spin a yarn on TV a lot, really likes to communicate. Again, you get a lot of information out of Newt. Um, how much of it <clears throat> is factually accurate is oftentimes in dispute. And of course you have <coughs> pardon me, Donald Trump himself who is a true spellcaster. He truly created a closed information loop and, and a lot of people have been caught up in it uh, and still already. He wrote it all the way to the presidency of the United States. Now we're going to close with some actors and some athletes. And there are so many, I had to trim them down. Some of them are really fun. Um, my favorite is probably Peter Dinklage, who plays Tyrion Lannister on Game of Thrones. And Tyrion Lannister's famous phrase is I drink and I know things, which is just a wonderful Gemini phrase. I consume and I say stuff. Uh, then we have Marilyn Monroe, who is famous for really being two people at once. Marilyn Monroe's birth name is Norma Jean Mortensen, and she went by Norma Jean when she uh, wasn't on stage. She's also famous for saying to people, wanna see me become her? She actually turned her Marilyn persona on like a switch. Then we have some pure Gemini playful communicators. We have Mel Blanc, the guy who was Bugs Bunny and so many other cartoon characters. Mel could just be so many different people at once, a true representation, The Trickster as well as The Twins. Russell Brand, a British comedian who can turn a phrase like none other. A great communicator, takes in information, spits it back out. And Joan Rivers, Joan Alexandra Malinsky. Uh, Joan Rivers was one of the first uh, prominent female comedians. She would guest host on The Tonight Show, which was a really big deal 40, 50 years ago. Uh, Joan is a blessed memory, but she was a wonderful communicator Uh, and can definitely talk about the issues of the day. Finally, we're going to close with some athletes. And again, when we think of those representations physically of Gemini, the hands, the arms, the shoulders, we're going to see a group of people who really use those body parts prominently in the way in which they're best known. We have Ralphie. First, we have a group of tennis players. Rafael Nadal, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, Sun and Mercury in Gemini. Novak Djokovic. Again, another long-standing, fantastic tennis player, Sun, Mercury, and Gemini. Bjorn Borg, oh, a handsome tennis player from the 80s, uh, didn't have quite the same l- longevity of Nadal and Djokovic, but Bjorn Borg also has the Sun and Mercury in Gemini. Then we have two wonderful uh, female tennis players, Steffi Graf and Venus Williams. And Venus Williams, interestingly, has a Sun-Venus conjunction in her chart, and her name is Venus. Finally, we've got uh, a golfer, Phil Mickelson, famous for having one of the greatest short games of all time. So you think just using those hands, arms, and shoulders as opposed to the rest of the body to moving the golf ball, especially around the green. And finally, Joe Montana. Uh, Joe Montana, um, who was one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League, just had a wonderful touch on the ball, could throw balls, just pinpoint accuracy, catching his receiver right in stride that's been uh, my Gemini mini-pod. I hope you all enjoyed it and have a great day.
1: Hello, this is Meredith with Earthling Astrology here to talk about Gemini today. Finally, a sign that I am intimately familiar with. I am a Gemini rising, as is Kip, and I am married to a son, Gemini. My husband is a Gemini, so I have maybe a few more things to say about Gemini. Um. I love Gemini energy. It, uh, the polarity is Sagittarius. Um, so just remember that every sign has its opposite sign. Geminis are all about communication and information. They are ruled by the planet Mercury. Um, they are famously the twins. Uh, they have multiple personalities, for sure at least two. The planet Mercury is actually very hot or very cold. Um, what I hear from Geminis is when they're feeling bad, they can't remember what it was like when they felt great. And when they're feeling great, they can't remember how they ever felt bad. They have um, a hard time kind of merging their different parts of themselves. They love information. They know a a little bit about a lot of things, but maybe not a lot about one thing that includes myself as a Gemini rising. I very feel that like that's true for me. They are a mutable sign, which means they're adaptable and flexible. Mutable signs uh, deal with change very, very well. They're also an air sign. They have the ability to detach from situations. So if you know a person very high on Gemini that doesn't seem to be very emotional, they just aren't tapped into it. They can detach. They can observe um, they love facts just for the sake of loving facts. You want a Gemini on your trivia team when you go out to play Trivia or Trivia Pursuit, they will know a lot of stuff. Um, they are the trickster energy. Mercury is the trickster. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Tricksters are actually entertainers. One of my favorite examples of tricksters would be like Loki from Thor. You're never quite sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Um, He's got that dual personality and he's playing lots of tricks. He's very smart. He's always outsmarting his opponent. And to go back to my wall example, if Gemini was a person and put up against a wall, how would Gemini deal with a wall? I think the Gemini would try and outsmart the wall. It would break the wall down to its little itty-bitty parts and try and outsmart it and trick it. Um, The positive keywords I can say about Gemini, if they're vibrating at a high vibration, would be adaptable, clever, communicative, curious, intelligent, and witty. Some of the negative keywords associated with Gemini are scattered. I think of the movie Up when the dogs are saying squirrel and they get distracted. If you're ever talking to someone high on Gemini energy, they're always like looking around and maybe talking to you. And then all of a sudden they're talking to someone else or looking out the window. They they can be very, very scattered, hard to focus. Um, some more other keywords that can be unemotional, as I kind of touched on earlier. You can have a lot of nervous Energy. This is true for myself. So the rising sign is the energy you kind of project out to the world. I have a lot of nervousness there. I'm constantly picking my fingers, twirling my hair. Uh, I cannot sit still. And Gemini is definitely a sign that cannot sit still. And just think of which planet it's ruled by, Mercury, one of the fastest planets in the zodiac. Um, Gemini's also love getting a reaction. They're like I said, the entertainers. So my husband, the Gemini, is always trying to scare the shit out of me. Um, he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> um, if he if he makes me smile, that you know feeds his heart. I can just tell. Um, obviously, he doesn't want to make me mad. He's quite terrified of that. But he loves um, just getting a reaction from me. Like I'm acknowledging his presence. He's entertaining me. He loves that. The body part ruled by Gemini energy is the lungs, arms, hands, and fingers. Think of this as really the parts of your body that don't stop. Um, The arms are always moving, the hands are always moving. So if you pick your fingers or talk with your hands or um, flail them around or constantly kind of sitting and tapping your foot, you have Gemini energy somewhere. It's like this nervous energy that always needs to be in motion some famous Geminis. I had trouble with this one. Um, Like I said, Geminis have zillions of personalities, so you never know quite who you're going to get when you're talking to a Gemini. Um, My favorite Gemini from my childhood must be Mr. T. Uh, He's this tough guy, pity the fool, whatever he used to say, but I wasn't scared of him. You just knew that he was this big soft teddy bear. Um, So that's kind of an example of a Gemini dual personality that I could come up with. Another Gemini that's famous is Ian McKellen. You might know him as Magneto from the X-Men or Gandalf from uh, Lord of the Rings. He's another fantastic actor entertainer that has multiple personalities. He's not um, typecast. He doesn't always play the same role. Uh, He's got that kind of Gemini trickster smile. He's one of my favorite actors. And I had to pick a Gemini from my hometown of Hibbing, Minnesota. He is Bob Zimmerman. You might know him as Bob Dylan. He is a super famous Gemini, and he's known for the way he communicates. He's got his own kind of certain style of music, uh, his style of poetry, the words that he says, and... Um, I don't really know much about him. I assume he might have multiple personalities just based on that kind of weird movie that I saw about him. I know Kate Blatchett played him for a little bit. Um, He's just a multifaceted performer. Um, So maybe I don't have a lot to say about Gemini. Uh, It is eclipse season right now, and I'm definitely feeling the Capricorn 2019 eclipse. There's another one coming up in a few days, so I apologize. I'm a little frazzled, Um, so I don't have a lot to say today, but I know that Kip gave you a lot of information, and he went first this week, so I hope you learned a little bit more about Gemini today. Thank you very much, and good night, Earthlings. Thank you for listening to this special episode of The Basement Astrologers. We hope you enjoyed this short educational clip from Kip and myself. Please email us at basementastrologers at gmail.com if there's any astrology topic that you'd like me and Kip to tackle and we will try and put out an episode in the future. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and also please find July Fighter on any music streaming service. We'd like to thank July Fighter for our opening and closing music. Good night, Earthlings.